Jesus has in this gospel an enigmatic and sort of upsetting conversation with this Canaanite woman, a foreigner, someone who is not Jewish. When she first asks him, Lord, son of David, heal my daughter, the gospel says, in reply to her, Jesus did not say a word. Why does Jesus not answer this woman? You can think maybe of experiences you've had. I don't know if you've had these experiences. I have. Uh, of unanswered prayers. Prayers that you offer to God with good intent. It seems like you should answer this prayer, God, why wouldn't you? And it doesn't happen. Or you don't hear God speak in prayer. That's a normal thing. That's not a bad thing at all. And it's not a proof against God's existence. Prayer is a lot more for us than it is for God. He loves the communion with us, but he doesn't need communion with us, per se. We pray, and God gives us the gift of prayer to enlarge our hearts. And moments when we don't get exactly what we want in prayer, just like moments throughout our life when we don't get exactly what we want, are prompts for us to desire greater, bigger things, things that are different from what we initially desire. Jesus wants to draw this woman out of herself. That's why there are these three kind of parts of the exchange. First, she comes and calls out to him, says he doesn't say a word. And then she does something further, not just coming and calling out to him. It says she came and did Jesus homage. She worshipped him. So he calls something a little bit deeper out from her. And then Jesus gives another response. And then she says, please, Lord. And in response to that, Jesus says, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done as you have wished. And there's something quiet, but very important about this Canaanite woman. Each time she calls on Jesus, she calls him Lord. Now, by this point in the Gospel, it has been so hard for the Jewish people, who have the prophecies of the Messiah coming, to recognize Jesus and see that he's the Messiah. Even the disciples who spend the most amount of time with him and are closest with him, don't get this. But this woman, who's not Jewish, who doesn't have these prophecies, who's seen as an outsider and a foreigner, she gets right to the point that even by the end of the gospel, a lot of the disciples aren't able to profess. She knows that he is the Lord. He is God. And if it's the case that he's the Lord, that must mean that for us, He's pretty selfless and open. You know, one of the prayers we're going to pray today at the offertory, before I offer up the gifts, it talks about the glorious exchange that happens in the Mass and uh, in general in the Christian life. Early writers in the Church used to describe, they'd use this term, the glorious exchange, and they would describe it this way. God became a human being, 
so that human beings could become God. Ooh. It's a lot. Especially for Sunday morning at 11.15. Not becoming God in a weird way or in kind of a new, agey way, um, but becoming God not by nature, but by adoption. Being made more and more in God's likeness to come to live like him, to come to live selflessly like him. What God wants to affect, what he has affected through his son on the cross, and wants to continue and deepen with us, is this phrase that was in the second reading from St. Paul. He wants to accomplish the reconciliation of the world. I came across a beautiful quote this week about how much the world needs reconciliation how we need to move from enmity and rivalry to friendship. It wasn't written in advance of November 2020. It was written in the fourth century. God has put enmity to death. We must never allow it to be rekindled in us in any way. Gloriously, God has slain enmity in order to save us. May we never risk the life of our souls by being resentful or bearing grudges. Jesus broke down the dividing wall, uniting what was divided, bringing about peace by reconciling in one person those who disagreed. That's why we need prayer. It's why we need the Mass. Because Jesus, with his human and his divine natures, wraps, embraces everything that's part of human life, part of the tumultuous, difficult, painful life of being human, of the world, he holds it to himself. Because Jesus was fully God and fully a human being, we are held in that embrace, always. And when we hold him, when we receive him in the Eucharist, he embraces us more closely than ever before.